You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Thought. I'm Rachel Nemeth and I'm Tom Canning and welcome to episode 121 of the Real Reading podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and you can search out Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. Um, no podcast last week you may have noticed. Um, the team dropped a little bit like flies. I don't know what that saying really means but <laughs> I guess it's like flies when you've sprayed some sort of anti-fly spray they just drop. Um, nothing serious just you know no no covid or anything like that just everybody was rather busy rach you were specifically rather busy um mm, quite what, preoccupied what, yeah, yeah what were you what were you up to um cool mostly uh having a baby cool you kept that quiet yeah i did a bit didn't i yeah but yeah. he's arrived Excellent. So. what's his name his name's alfie good yeah, that's a good name. Good, two strong... weeks old now. Oh, fantastic! And you're, and you've come back early. You've come, you come back to the pod quick, lovely. Yeah, um, well, it's a little bit of me time. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm hiding upstairs true. for an hour, true. so it's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so no, no podcast last week, but congratulations, Rach. Um, Thank you. We did almost do a podcast last week, but it looked like it might return, be a bit of a return to the uh, podcast's early banter months of 2018 with just Hugh and me. Um, but we we resisted. Uh, so, uh, and then Hugh sort of got busy rather mysteriously and suddenly was too busy to do a podcast with me. So I don't know what that says about our relationship these days. I feel like it's strained, but I don't know. Oh. Um, we we've got sort of a slightly serious point we wanted to um put out there which um rach you you very kindly um uh responded to a request from hugh to uh, do a sort of a first what we what's what's called a first person piece about uh homeschooling because you've you've obviously you've got a two-week-old alfie and you've got is it five, uh, five-year-old zach that's right. Who is homeschooling. And Hugh asked you very kindly, very nicely, with no hidden agenda, as far as I'm aware. Um, that may still be to come. Maybe every, has anybody checked the first word, the first letters of uh, the entire piece? I don't know. Maybe Hugh's hidden agenda is in there somewhere. But um, Hugh asked you to sort of talk to him about what it's been like homeschooling. And so you, put, you did an article and you put this article out. Uh, and the the response was, I did see some people saying, read the article, which I think, I, th- I just, I, I don't know how you do it, but somehow on social media, I think if you're going, if you're going to comment on a, something that's been posted on social media, especially if it's a story with a headline, read the story before you comment. It's really simple. But Rach, mm. it was, you, the response was, shall we say, oh, for God's sake. A mixed bag. Yes. It didn't, it didn't go so well for me. No. Um, and obviously, uh, so we, we were talking about this and how we were just going to talk cover this, but um, it seemed like um, you had no right to talk to talk about 
homeschooling um, because you were because some people were in a worse off position than you is that is that fair yeah i mean i'll i'll keep it fairly brief i think is probably best um, yes, I, I certainly don't want to upset you given that no, we've got and it was, 45 minutes of pod to go yeah and it was upsetting um because like you said hugh had just asked me as a parent who is currently homeschooling what my experiences of that had been like and when we we did the article i was very conscious of the fact that um our family is in a very fortunate position in that both of us uh, parents uh, are at home so we can share the the um the schooling um and that there is just the one child that needs needs to be learning at this point although I will defend myself and say that I had a 10 day old baby at the point of uh, <laughs> writing the article so you know that is quite a strain in itself um so I was just very conscious of not of it not being a, a woe is me article it was just this is how it is I was just being honest um I praised the school because they've been brilliant um but unfortunately, some people didn't take it in the way that it was intended and jumped on me. Very pleasant saying that, I, you know, I should, I have, I've got my head in the clouds, basically. And there's so many people who are way worse off than me. Um, people giving their own situations and saying how awful it is for them at the minute. And... That was never, it was never put out there as a, as a competition of who has no. it worst. I was asked of my experience of homeschooling and I gave it and I repeatedly said that we were very lucky. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah, almost too many times. Because I was so conscious that this backlash could happen. So I was trying to prevent that. But obviously, mm. if people don't read the article in its entirety, they wouldn't see that. Yeah. And the bit that um, sort of upset me the most, really, is that there is so much um, talk about you know oh. people should be looking out for each other, um, and there's the sort of quite frequently used phrase, "It's okay to not be okay," but it really felt that when it comes to social media that phrase is only true in as much in, as long as there's nobody else that considers themselves to be in a worse position than you um so it it was a shame really it was and it i was sorry hugh but i won't be sticking my hand up to volunteer <laughs> to help you out again anytime soon because it i you know it was an extra upset and pressure that I could just really have done without, to be honest. Yeah. I, I just, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't really know what, what to say, Rachel, aside from, as, as you say, I mean, I, I read it myself. It was, um, you know, this is our situation. I, I think it, it's all, so. social media just allows people to very quickly jump on and have a view of something without actually thinking, it's, this isn't aimed as a dig at the person that's reading it no and that seems to be a lot of what is 
of what people assume that 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 piece has gone directly into their timeline or or their vision or view of whatever whatever it is they're looking at and is therefore there to make them feel worse it, it's absolutely not um it's it's entire you know i i have a small child myself who is four months old and not homeschooling because she's four months old so to me that piece was just an interesting insight into what other people are going through um that's how i took it i didn't feel the need to comment on it no yeah i i'd, I'd just like to add as well that i when when writing it i went to great pains to point out that there are people in worse situations than than the Rachel is in and if anyone wants to come forward to tell me about their their homeschooling situation if they've got you know two children of a similar age having to homeschool at the same time we've got disabled children or any or children with learning difficulties anything like that come come to come forward talk to me about that um and we'll we'll highlight that the difficulties there as well um the the, the story was meant to be kind of uh, yeah like, like you say thomas sort of interesting look at life how how life has changed over the last year and what what you'd suddenly having to do if you have children um and you know and like i say we met to great pains to make it clear that rachel's position was by no means the worst out there but it's still not easy still has to someone who's not a qualified teacher is still having to try to teach a five-year-old and however you know any five-year-old is difficult to try to sit down and work with regardless mm. of the situation so um i just i think one of the, the most difficult challenges we face now as journalists is one how do we get people to read the entire story before they spout their view on it? And um, I'm getting so many more people now who say, I'd like to talk to you. I've got an issue I want to talk to you about with either, either don't want my name in because of what people will say on Facebook or even I'm not going to talk to you now because of what people have said on Facebook before. And mm. it's almost it's almost a kind of censorship um for you know i spoke to someone who'd had covid who'd had long covid last year and i got back in touch with them four months on to see how they were see if we could do another story on how it's affected them and that they weren't interested because they'd had so many people accusing them of faking it and making it up god. and oh my gosh and this is the world we have to operate in. You know, we, we, we use social media to promote our website and our stories and get information out to people. But at the same time, it seems to prompt a very negative reaction from a lot of people. Um, and I don't quite know at this stage how, how you're going to deal with that. And this issue of people only reading the head, only reading the headline on the quite often they, they read the headline on the, the Facebook page and then feel that's enough for them to comment on it. Um, I don't know how how we ever going to combat that to get people to to read things properly before they comment. It's either they read the headline or they sort of skim through it and get enraged by it and then offer their view. Um, 
I know there are people out there in a much worse position um, and that homeschooling is, probably isn't easy for anyone who's not a teacher. Um, and so it was, the aim was just to hi highlight that particular situation. Like I say, if anyone's in a worse position who wants to talk about it, I'm here. My details are on the website. Thank you. Um, Although we I am off next week. Just <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we move on to something sunnier? Yeah. Yes, please. I want cool. to forget about it now. Good. Um, well, it's just as well this won't be forever into an archive, uh, this conversation. Oh, gosh, so yeah. You can listen to it repeatedly over and over again. Um, so, no, that, that definitely isn't isn't going to happen, right? So, um, okay, we will move on just very quickly. Um, this week, in fact, um, the IDR, the Inner Distribution Road, turned 50. Can you believe it? Wow. 50. That is what a milestone. 13 years older than me. Oh God! <laughs> if I've worked that out correctly, yeah, I have. That's fine. Oh, is it bad that fifty still sounds quite old to me? It does, and yet, it? it's yeah. really not that far away. <laughs> Just think, Rach. It was it was new, it was relatively new and exciting when you and I were born. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you seen that new IDR? Oh, have you? So, so people have been struggling to get on and off the IDR for the best part of five decades um which is mental um this uh, was highlighted on the excellent facebook group memories of old reading by by a lady called sarah trimby she took a picture of there's a there's sort of almost a dedication plaque um on the bridge that the i think it's the oxford road bridge or the or the bridge that connects the oxford road with the town center there's a plaque on there and it says in the distribution road stages one and two cavisham road to southampton street opened on the 2nd of february 1971 by the right worshipful mayor of reading councillor herbert williams and then there's some uh, further text which i can't read on the picture because uh, i can't go out and get my own photos because you know lazy also, it's not an essential journey. No, not really. And where do you park? I mean, really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's so very interesting. Um, Hugh, I know you know a lot about the IDR, but I just I wanted to just highlight my two favourite things about the IDR was that we managed to dedicate almost an entire episode to my plan to paint the IDR to make it less dreary, which sadly did not come to fruition. Oh, it's very um, grey. It's very, it? very grey and uh, even worse now in the wet weather. Mm. Um, and the other one was the, the which, and I'll never, I'll, I'll be honest, I've not looked back into this enough to understand why it didn't go ahead. But I remember about maybe 10, 10, 12 years ago, there was a big plan to deck over the IDR as part of the Chatham Street development. Mm. Um, and everybody was against it. And if I'm honest, I'll, I, I suspect it was probably cost that was the big, the big issue. But I don't really see why you wouldn't deck over the IDR. It'd make a nice, nice open space, and um, it'd be a lot less. Cover dreary. it up. <laughs> yeah, just cover up that big old eyesore. Um, so, Hugh, tell me what you know about the history of the IDR in so, about three minutes. So I, I do love writing about the history of the IDR. I think the old pictures of it being built are marvellous. <laughs> All, yes. can be All can be found on Get Ready. That's Berkshire Live. Sorry, edit that out. Berkshire Live. <laughs> um, yes. So what you see today is not what was originally planned. Shocker. There was another bit of the IDR that never happened. Uh, this is because in classic unheard of fashion, the, uh, the what would have been Berkshire County Council, um, I think in those days, ran out of money. 
Um, <laughs> so what it proposed, and I've, there's pictures. Um, we can share this on the um, the Facebook page, but there's um, there's pictures of it of the road going underneath a big office in Fulbury Road. Um, so so you'd be working in the office, and the IDR would be um, going underneath your place of work. Um, which would have been interesting, um, and also the other the other idea was they were going to move the lion statue and have that over one over on a a sort of bridge over the IDR, when, and so you would see the lion statue as you drove underneath and then underneath this office, um, and sat sadly, you know, so the IDR essentially would be would run so those what four lanes of traffic would run right by Forbury Gardens. Um, which seems extraordinary to me. If, but now, uh, I don't know. This is one of those things where you think, you think, if that had happened, what would it be like now? What would Reading be like now if that had that massive road going all the way around underneath an office? Would that office still be there? Would anyone want to work in it? Would Would anyone want to go to Forbury Gardens with having a essentially a traffic jam there all the time <laughs> it just seems ex- extraordinary and I, w- I wonder i don't know if there's i don't know if there's anyone around who remembers it to talk to but i wonder if they they might think i think it was probably best we didn't do this <laughs> um, who knows um but it's a really where does the idr go is it a complete ring around the town center Sort of. Yeah. Does it bit but bits end down by the prison? Is that so there's a there's a map there's a map here that I've got from the Whitley Pump website. There's a there's an interactive map and there are what well, there's points um well, there's no point A for some reason, but there's a point B, C, D, E, F and G. And it kind of goes um so so where you kind of goes down um past the police station, uh, Broad Street Mail uh down to Cavisham TGI Fridays it then goes down Vaston Road that seems to be part of it under the big yellow uh railway bridge by Apex Plaza along Forbury Road all the way up through Forbury Road and then um in th- it's obviously it's a one-way bit isn't it uh, at this point um so I'm kind of going the wrong direction now but round past Prudential uh and along past the Oracle so that it's sort of there is sort of a route is a loop really there is a yeah. loop but part of it is one way and I also remember off the top of my head there was a plan at one point to reverse make the whole thing one way and reverse it um which was a which was a plan of a previous councillor John John Howarth John Howarth that was it yes um, the main thing I remember about John Howarth was in my early days working for the Reading Evening Post and on the website, cutting out his headshot to be part of a columnist profile. That's one of the one of my <laughs> early memories, uh, and that's with my only. Went, went, went on, went on to be an MEP, John Howarth. Think, yes, yes, uh, yes. You're yes, you're you're absolutely right. But it, there is there is a kind of loop. Um, of course, there is one town in. Uh, not too far away that did have a ring road for a very successful ring road for a long, long time. And there was never any traffic on that because no bugger ever really used it. Bracknell. I wondered if it was your uh, beloved Bracknell. Well, th- this, mm. this ring road has since uh, largely been ripped up um, to make way for a, a massive, wonderful shopping centre uh, that is the envy of the southeast. So there we go. Did you, did you know as well, 
and this is something actually I've had on my list of things to write about for several years. Um, Wokingham also nearly had an IDR as well, to the point where the council, um, uh, I'm remembering off the top of my head, the council actually compulsory purchased some houses from people and then knocked them down, and then the road was never built. Oh, gosh. You imagine. Yeah. This was sort of many, many years ago, but Wokingham um, could, could perhaps work a ring road around working town center could actually perhaps work i don't know that really would have worked wouldn't it i think oh uh, yes i'm not i'm not so sure a ring road around i think almost the ring road around reading is almost it's not that's not wide enough it needed to be i think it probably needed to go a little bit further afield than than where it is but of course you've got rivers and stuff in the way so that make that complicates things um hugh but, was there a, a story about um you know the bit that the back of the oracle the flyover bit yeah that, that they never like it got to a point that where it wasn't finished and um it just sort of uh, was yeah. a drop off I, well, this, i'm getting a bit hazy on this but yeah parts the idr was opened in part certainly and i think work was um continuing while people were using other stretches of it so yeah i think quite possibly there would have been a bit of it where you wouldn't have been able to drive along and if you had driven along you would have just driven off the end <laughs> like that lorry did a year or so ago yes. Yeah, true. Yeah, like the film speed. In that exact same <laughs> space. Yeah. The the I, the IDR past the Oracle does have the air of we were going to do something here, and we've kind <laughs> of bottled it almost. Um, and by bottled it, I mean probably run out of money. That's the usual thing. The same yeah. as um, the same as the 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 A three two nine M coming to an end at uh, Thames Valley Park. That's that's very much. We were going to do some stuff here. Uh, we'll just leave it let's leave it it's yeah most... it was supposed to be yeah I, again I, I don't know the details of it the a329 was supposed to be a lot bigger um, yes possibly going to the m3 in Bra- all the way down yes, that it was, it was bypass bracknell wasn't it yeah um instead of going through so bracknell now has the same problem or has had the same problem as reading with people using it to drive through um as yes as get to the motorway yes yeah. Of course, Wokingham, no one drives through Wokingham to get anywhere because you've got the A329, so lucky them. <sighs> anyway, anyway, the two places I call home are, are commuter routes for for people, which is most frustrating. Anyway, shall we uh, move on to the headlines for the week? Um, before we do, though, if you want to talk to us about the IDR, the inner distribution road, uh, if you have theories... Um, facts fun things you wish that the idr did you know like being painted um please let us know here's jeremy with how you can get in touch with the team email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk find us on twitter and instagram at realreadingpod and join our facebook group by searching real reading podcast Thanks, Jeremy. We are straight into this week's headlines. Um, first up on our big list of headlines is another one of the... I hate these stories, Hugh. I hate them. <laughs> um, these ones where some business says that, oh, it's like almost like a... Predict- or like Reading is the, is the most popular city for, uh, you know, tractors or, uh, you know... And this one is... A, is it, I think it's is it KPMG, this yeah. one. KPMG. Oh, I got that right. Good. That was a fluke. Um, Reading-based KPMG. Predicting a strong economic recovery for Reading following the pandemic. And I just, I don't know, like, 
what are these? I, I, as I say, I hate these stories because probably because I'm too thick to really understand. And it's quite much like KPMG. But, um, you know, it, it's apparently the Good Growth for Cities report, um, which comes from Reading-based economic experts. KPMG states that um, businesses in Reading have good reasons to be optimistic about the future. Um, those reasons include being less impacted by the pandemic than other areas. Um, a mix of sectors means there's some resilience. Um, and Reading being ranked 10th place in 10th place for the local economy, least impacted by COVID. So, yeah, um, Hugh, talk me through this. Tell me about this. Why is this um, I mean, an important report? This synopsis of the report is essentially that Reading was in a strong position before the pandemic and will we'll continue because of that. It will be in a better position than a lot of other places after the pandemic. And it's because it has a strong mix of different types of um, industry. It's, um, you know, it's easy to get to. Um, and it's a kind of powerhouse of the Thames Valley and it will continue to be that. Um, I did another story in a KPMG report which says that your beloved hometown and the town of Slough um, are likely to be hit quite hard um, okay. because they don't have any culture. There's what? no culture. <laughs> so you've got in... In Bracknell, you've got the Lexicon, which is an all-singing, all-dancing yes. shopping centre. So you can go shopping, and in Slough, yes. you've got a, not much, really. So, so there's, no, there's, there's no real things to bring up people to do, to the town other than go shopping. Um, so, I mean, Bracknell, you can go to, you, in the non-pandemic days, you can go to South Hill Park, but it's not really in anywhere near the town centre, so you'd have to make a special trip to go there. Hmm. Um and Slough is getting a few more things like the Curve Theatre and stuff like that around the town. But um, it's basically places you can only go to the shops are likely to struggle as the okay. high street continues to change and be impacted by COVID and also people's changing shopping habits. Um, so this, this report shows that because essentially because Reading is a very big employment area, um, and, you know, people like Thames Water are announcing that they're creating a thousand jobs in and around Reading. Um, the three, the mobile company is moving, moving all its stuff out of Maidenhead and also its office in Reading, which yours truly used to work in many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Glorious period between 2001 and 2003. I worked in their office in uh, Great Brigham's Mead across the road from TGI Fridays. Great Brigham's Mead. Sounds like a sort of thing that uh, Dr. Watson would say to Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> but, uh, Exasperated. Uh, great Brigham's mead. Um, and yeah, they're moving the staff out of there um, into Green Park. And so there's obviously a feeling amongst the uh, corporate business community that Reading is a good place to be, um, which, you know, we know why it's easy to get to London, um, it's easy to get to Heathrow. Um, all that sort of stuff. And so once the pandemic, once this lockdown pandemic misery is eventually over with, Reading should be one of the sort of stronger places around. Um, just probably should say that the, uh, the, the, the survey about Brantle and Slough was completely refuted by people, by sort of leaders there as well. Um, but um yeah, Reading is Reading was in a good place and will remain in a good place. Good, even, that, even if we lose retail and stuff like that, which, which could easily happen. 
Rach, any thoughts? It's okay to have none. Um, well, that all sounds quite positive for the the town, yeah. doesn't it? That you know, in a where there's been a lot of closures um, and redundancies and things. That hopefully, the Thames Water one is very positive, isn't it? A thousand, what is it like, apprenticeships and things? Yeah, they were setting up, wasn't it? It's a mix of jobs. Um, I'm going off the top of my head here, but it, it, it was, it was the, it's quite a lot of focus on people who've actually lost their jobs because, because of COVID um, and also creating apprenticeships and stuff like that for, for younger people as well, who are impacted by the pandemic and how difficult it is to find work generally. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're expanding the operation, but also, like you say, looking to sort of recruit those who've been made redundant um, because of COVID. So, you know, it's a it's a big employer already and to, to, to create a thousand new jobs. Um, it's a pretty good indication of where of where it is and what it's what it's hoping to do. So. Lovely. All right. Um, shall we talk about bin collections? <laughs> Let's talk about the bins. Oh, <laughs> I've seen so much on social media, talking about social media again, about bin. People hate it. They just want to know when the bins go out and which bin. And now in Reading, we've all got three bins. You probably haven't, have you? Have you got three bins here or are you woken? Uh, yeah, they've done They've done food waste here. For, I've got four. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> I've got food waste, recycling, normal waste and green waste as well um so so yeah so we've had food waste for since we moved in i mean i must admit i'm a big fan of the food waste now i every every little bit of food that gets left on my plate goes into the little food waste and there's not much but you know just occasionally there's a a chewy there's a chewy bit or something like that anything that's not edible big bit of gristle yeah goes into me so i'm enjoying it but i was confused last night when my wife went outside at sort of was it about half past 10 i heard some movers like, what are you going out putting the bins i thought it was tuesday no it's thursday it's thursday now it's all moved all oh, changed we swapped we were thursday and now we're tuesday oh, that, oh ever dear. so confusing it is indeed well um but it's you know i uh, it's it's what's the i i can i think what i want is is glass collections that's that's the that's the thing that's, that's the, the dream. Thing. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's that's the biggest waste that we have is uh, is glass collection. That's just um, jam jars, yeah. Yeah. Ja- oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. It's all jam jars. Yeah. Mar- we've been all about marmalade since those Paddington films. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, we have glass here. We just put all our recyclables in. Down oh. to, they take everything. So, you are uh, spoiled in South Oxfordshire. You're I know. You look at my so council lucky. tax bill. You can you can understand uh, <laughs> understand why we get everything. Yes. Um, so this this is the news that thousands of people in Reading um, have seen their bin collection days change um, with a new food waste recycling scheme launched. We talked about this before, I think, but it's around eighty percent of people in Berkshire. Uh, sorry, in Reading, we'll get the new waste and recycling collection date. And, and I was actually in on the day they dropped all the little black bins off, all the little food waste bins. Little man walking down the street, dropping all these bins off. It was it was great. There is a house two doors down from us that has been empty for the best part of two years now. And the little black bin is still out the front waiting for some some new owner to come and uh, to come Aww. and pick it up. So it's you can uh, you can enjoy this, Tom, but um, 
I was just saying, Tom, you'll you'll get to put your food waste out about twice, and then you'll move to a move. Yeah. I don't know if you want this to be revealed on the podcast, but no, you move to somewhere in West Berkshire where they don't. As far as I'm, I'm aware, they they never used to do food waste when I I lived in in Calcot. Yeah. We have briefly. It's uh, because they're not part of the RE three. It's all very different. Uh, yeah, and I look I look forward to um, getting angry about bin waste. Have um, you got a decent garden? Yes. Get a compost heap. Could do. Could do. Oh yeah. 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 It'll take you a while to fill that up with little yes. bits of gristle, but we've got two <laughs> compost heaps. <laughs> yeah, I used to take my food waste to my mum and dad's to put on their compost heap, but it's it's not very nice putting it in the car. No. <laughs> Weak old food waste. Yeah. Here I am with my yeah, horrible tiny brown stinky bit. Yeah, oh, it's so disgusting. Bless my dad. I used to just sort of arrive at their house and put it on the step. Oh, I'll take that down in a little bit. Uh, I've just got to get on, you know, get on with work. And this is obviously all pre-COVID. And then bless him, he'd, he'd trot off down the garden with it and then hose it out once he'd emptied it. Lovely. Oh, thanks, Dad. Do I need to cleverly edit this? Because there's some good stuff in there. I think you might have to do a bit of clever. That's fine. Um, cool. Clever I'll, edit. Uh, I'll... Uh, I'll do that. Um, so yeah, so bin changes. Are we happy? Are we good? I'm good with that. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if we've done it justice whatsoever, but you know, just in case anybody wasn't aware, bin changes. Keep an eye out. Um, I think the most frustrating thing about the bin changes was that the council had a printable calendar on the website for you know for the various periods of the year and um i think it was when the last one ran out because of the bin changes coming in there was no printable calendar i think that was the that was the biggest annoyance nightmare <sighs> did you not get calendar? one through the door no so we've got a little calendar through the door at christmas oh, no, that's we, now on the fridge no i don't think we did or maybe we do I'd, oh maybe there is one there yeah maybe I don't know. <laughs> you just haven't paid attention. No. Um, good job shall... your wife knows when to put the bin out ah, then. She, she's, 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 a, she's, she's all a over egg. it. She's a good egg. Um, shall we move on to the uh, the final story? This is a spectacular revamp for Reading's Lost Burger King. Now, by Lost Burger King, does this mean like back of the sofa? Did we forget <laughs> where it was? Someone lost their whopper down the back yes. of the um, sofa. <laughs> I'm presuming that this is a Hugh Fort story because Hugh Fort is the only Reading reporter currently. So I've presumed that all of these stories are Hugh are Hughes. Um, Hugh, is this your headline? Because this is the second time I think in recent weeks I've I've highlighted a headline. So where did we uh, lose? No, I didn't write that headline. My headline is very similar, but I don't think I worked, I don't know. Somebody somebody's changed it to lost. Um, <laughs> I suppose it is lost because it, it was a Burger King and now it's not. But the um, the uh, the building is still there. Yeah. Um, this is quite quite an interesting plan, actually. It's basically, you know, Queen Victoria, where Queen Victoria Street, you know, Cafe Nero. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the Burger King is sort of behind Cafe Nero. Um, okay. Cafe Nero is where the Burger King used to be, but part of that building is sort of derelict behind yeah. where Cafe, Cafe Nero is. Okay. And um, this developer is proposing sort of opening that up into a courtyard um, behind Cafe Nero um, and building, I think, 45 new flats, which I'm sure will go down well with the, the flat brigade. Um, There's a lot of uh, wrestling going on. Oh, 
Is it the rustling papers? Sorry, Tom, making you edit again. I stayed quiet for ages, but then it might just sound a bit. I was hoping you'd just stop rustling. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I was absolutely playing with the wire on my headphones. Stop Um, it. Ah. So should we go again? Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, so this is a uh, quite an interesting plan in Reading Town Centre. It's um, the, the old Burger King people will remember is off Friar Street on the corner of Queen, uh, Queen Victoria Street, uh, where Cafe Nero is now. But the um, there's part of it that's still there, um, part of the old building that's still there, which is kind of derelict. Um, and the developer is proposing removing that, opening it up into a courtyard with shops and I think 45 new flats above it. Um, what they call city city centre living. Disclaimer: not a city. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the, it will sort of create a little courtyard area off Queen Victoria Street and Friar Street, um, which I think is quite interesting and quite innovative. Um, planning application should be submitted later this month, they say, and so determined again I, I don't like to predict when planning applications get determined but this year probably and then we might see some work fairly soon and um revamping another unused part of town and there's a there's a few listed buildings around there as well which apparently have fallen into disrepair and um and the developer is saying that we will we'll, i think they'll probably plan to put some of the flats in these listed buildings i think um I haven't seen a full application yet, but I guess they'll be the flats will be above it, um, and and yeah, so that so it's kind of another investment in the town to revamp an area that's not used. And so, what was create... it again, Hugh? So there's the flats, and then what retail space is underneath? Is it yeah? Shops so or yeah, food so then the shops. Or... Yeah, the shops. So yeah, there'll be a, a market, some food market, maybe or a market square courtyard where you can sit down and then they they talk about in their application some small units for independent traders and um startups oh, nice. and stuff like that so could be um a really kind of cool little quirky area in the end um and presumably again i haven't seen a planning application little to no cars if you live there why would you need a car yeah don't, don't go where would you park it you know, yeah. and give people options to have a car, live in a flat above in the town centre. Um, so I think on the face of it, I don't know what everyone else would think out there about more flats, more people, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's it looks quite cool and uh, an interesting reuse of a um, sort of derelict rundown area. It sounds like we've spoken about it lots of times on this podcast what reading is lacking like a little a little corner of independence pop-ups and um and you boys love a food market mm, oh, yeah we do it has been said we we do rich will be very happy as well because that is right near his shop yeah so he'll be popping over to sample the goods i'm so, sure 45 new homes right on his doorstep everyone always needs a pair of boots they always need mm-hmm. new shoes so we they'll need be a pair of Doc Martins. hello it's in a good location as well because yeah. that that road um queen victoria street is sort of on the direct route from the train station yeah it's up quite into a the nice, town center 
it's quite a nice road as well. It looks, mm, it yeah. looks quite grand there, I think. It, and um, so, you, so with Friar Street now, you're gonna have, you've got Station Hill at one end, um, thousands of houses um, facing facing Friar Street. So you have a sort of spectacular housing development at one end. Then you've got potentially the re, the revamp of the um, Bristol and West Arcade, which which is just down from where this development is um so another redevelopment um in fry street so fry street could look not only very different in a few years but probably much nicer <laughs> as well yeah and it's it's again this thing of people people taking on areas which aren't used and are just sitting there to to um to do useful things with it whether the argument of whether anyone wants a thousand houses a thousand apartments right in the town center with station hill will rumble on but we'll have to see but i think you know what was what was station hill before a derelict shopping center which had been empty yeah. for getting off for 20 years or or turn into housing what are the reasons people wouldn't want take the parking out of it because i'd get all the additional cars and but people need to live somewhere it's well, not exactly like, yeah it's not like people there's loads of extra people loads have suddenly flats. appeared is a waste of time and this phrase you keep hearing is creating the slums of the future um but yeah people people who i think sort of there there's a there's a real obviously these people know what they're doing and they're not going to build what's going to be sort of 1500 2000 house flats in, in reading town center right, on the, based on the fact that no one wants going to live in them hmm. um but i think there's a, there's a school of thought from people that people only want to live in houses with gardens, and I think that's changing. And I think that the sort of young professional types do want to live in these these sort of developments. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting built. They wouldn't be proposing these these massive developments in Reading on the grounds that there's no evidence that anyone wants to live in them. So, I think yeah. people assume that everyone's going to want to have a car. But I don't think that's the case, and there's statistical evidence. And you know, if you build a thousand home developments with a hundred car parking spaces or whatever, then you can't have a car. So, yeah. And you're right by the train station, and these the people will do most of their spend most of their time in the town centre anyway. And so, I think it's how housing is changing. And like I've said many times, there isn't anywhere to put a big lovely rural housing development in reading with four beds and five beds there just isn't anywhere unless you want to build on prospect park or the reading festival site um which no one does so no. you know you've got to, the government's just not going to go oh you know don't worry about providing housing in one of the southeast powerhouses it's got to you know it's got to find some fine places and if it if it's the case which it is that developers identify places that are, are run down and aren't being used and plonk hundreds of houses on them to bring them into use to bring people into the town to support the to support what the businesses in the town then i don't see that as being that much of a problem obviously if you were building every single housing development with two car park spaces for each of a thousand plat flats then you've got a problem but that's not the case so just um just to just to reiterate you the you mentioned the thousand flats just just to be absolutely clear that's not what they're proposing to do uh, by this old Burger King, that's about no. forty-five thousand flats. No. It's Fry Street, uh, Fry Street, uh, Fry Walk, Fry Walk, Station Hill, the other end of Fry Street, and there's yeah. you know 
plenty of space for for it on, there, yes. on those two sites. Again, most of which is derelict. So yeah, I just one of the just just to finish off one of the one of the things I thought uh, one of the just little details they've included in these images is the um, is the the the, the crossing the, the pedestrian crossing um, the the very colourful crossing that I think was done for Reading Pride. It must yes. have been twenty nineteen now, I guess, because it it was it certainly it wouldn't have been last year. Yeah. I, I I just presumed that was a a nice thing for um that that particular period of time but it looks like according to these images that it's there to stay and i i only applaud that because um, yeah. aside from being for a very worthy uh, a very worthy reminder of of um of, of reading pride and, and pride month and all of that sort of thing it looks very nice i like it yeah it's been repainted at least once as well shows how often i've been into town recently yeah so Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Hugh. Um, Rach, do you have any more to add on that? No, thank you. I just chip cool. in with my questions and interrupt. That's, so. that's good. No, that's fine. That's fine. Do yeah. my job for me. That's. I'm very <laughs> happy with that. It means I can just sit here and look at nice pictures. Um, <laughs> right. We will move on to the random question. Uh, you may have noticed we haven't had any interviews for a little while, and the interviews will be back Um me personally, I'm just working on another project at work at the moment, and it's uh, and it's proving difficult to find time to do interviews. So they will be back, uh, as will Indie Corner in due course. But for now, you'll have to make do with the three of us. So hopefully, that is all okay. Um, right, random question time. The random question. Hey guys, random question time. Uh, it's a it's a good one today, I think. The random question for today is: What was your favourite toy as a child? I can tell you now, mine was cardboard boxes. I was forever <laughs> making cars or things or houses out of cardboard boxes, and I'd love it whenever we got a new cardboard box because it meant I could make something out. Loved a cardboard box. Oh, yes. You remind me then of uh, when I, this is one of my earliest memories probably of being at Playgroup in Sonning Common. And there was a, a big junk modelling, as it's known, uh, project going on to build a house, group mm. effort. You know, we're three, four years old or whatever. And then this, this one boy, Michael, who's obviously intelligence wise a bit, far ahead of the rest of us because <laughs> he started cutting toilet rolls and kitchen rolls in half lengthways long ways and we were like what are you doing um and he was making guttering for our house <laughs> and we were like Whoa. what's guttering what are we're like we've just like made a door that's about as advanced as we've got i feel the child may be gifted i think so I don't know why that's stuck in my head. but What was his name? Uh, Michael. We need to look out any Michaels in high-achieving roles within um, within <laughs> yeah. the borough, I think. Funny the things that stick in your head. <laughs> what was your... If you're out there. Get in touch. Michael Cordry, his name was. Um, what was mine? Well, the thing that popped into my head immediately when you said the question, I, I don't know if it's strictly a toy or not, but it was my first proper, like, big girl's bike. 
which was a blue BMX with red tires. And yeah, that is what I always harp back to. That is why Zachary now has a BMX because I had one. Fair enough. And Rich had one. Yeah, and we just spent most of my life out on that, really, cycling around the cul-de-sac behind our house. Um, but I didn't really like the, the, the toys I was meant to play with, I meant to in a very stereotypical world. I wasn't really that interested in. I much preferred playing with my my brother's toys, like He-Man figures and that kind of thing. So We I, are. Yeah the golden generation when it comes to toys i think I, um, <laughs> yeah i was going to mention he-man toys um He-Man. which ones did you have i had he-man himself i had loads i had um off the top of my head i had he-man i had his mate fisto who had a massive metal <laughs> fist. <laughs> i had one called one called moss man who was covered in sort of green oh foam. yeah yeah and I had one, called, one called cyclone who used to spin round. Um, he had a little thing on his, which you'd flick and he'd spin round with his fists out. And right. um, I think that was all my... Ram Man? I didn't have Ram Man. I didn't have Skeletor either. The uh, <sighs> My dad always used to say, call Skeletor the world's worst evil genius. Because <laughs> <laughs> he always used to lose to He-Man and get really upset. Um, and He-Man was... He was no intellectual colossus, he man, in the, his dis- no. disguise that that, um, that separated him from Adam, Prince of Attorney, was a, essentially a suntan. Um, <laughs> and his fluffy pants. And yeah, and his yeah, and his fat, fluffy pants, and his. Um, it was a very silly program, he man. My favourite toys of all though were Transformers. I um. Oh yeah. I've been. I think that whoever whoever came up with Transformers, whoever it was, I think they were Japanese, weren't they? That that person deserves to be they're an unsung hero they're actually one of the greatest people in our in human history i think um <laughs> creating a a, ver, a, a a toy so simple to be operated by a child a, a boy a boy they were boys toys i'm afraid which were a thing in the 80s um a, a five-year-old boy could just you know flick a few things around and turn turn his turn his sports car into a robot in about five seconds and yet the boys it's a bit like it's kind of homeschooling again rach going back to that it's like when you were, i don't you want to your, talk about that when you were to give your transformer to your parents for, to try to get them to do it they didn't have a single clue what to do and yet you could do it at high speed and then uh, there, there was transformers which used to turn into three different things i had one which was a car a helicopter and then the robot as well so that was really nice. cool i think i think that one is still in my mum's house um <laughs> probably worth a bit now hugh it could be yeah um i did look on ebay the other day for for how much classic transformers go for and it it's not very much um oh. I was, yeah also i was looking to see maybe i could buy some um because <laughs> i'm so cool um but yeah, That's I think huge next they, birthday sorted, Tom. We know fine, like, yeah. Optimus Prime on its way. <laughs> so they, they were here. I, I would like that. Um, they were an amazing toy 30, 30 odd years ago. They've made a massive comeback since then. And 
several films. You can still buy new versions of the Transformers now. Um, and they, they're a huge success that are not, not really given the societal importance that they deserve, I think. The Autobots <laughs> and the Decepticons are a, a much unheralded success of our time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, perfect. Perfect. We'll, we'll wrap it up this week. Um, so thanks, Hugh, for your Transformers uh, and Rach for your bicycle. Uh, oh, I feel I'm good. feeling nostalgic for an Argos yeah. catalogue now. Oh, yes. Like a proper 80s Argos catalogue. I've got the day off today. The, the urge to go on eBay now is <laughs> get myself a classic, it is strong. <laughs> classic metal Optimus Prime complete with trailer. Is, um, man, it sounds like you need to invest in Ram Man as well. So have a, have a good look for him Complete There's another collection. one called the, the Driller Killer, I seem to remember as well. And Merman as well, who's a fish. Merman. Evil Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, if I'll you... tell you who Evil Lynn looks like when we get off the podcast. It's not for, um, <laughs> it's not for broadcast. Okay. Um, Thanks, guys. Uh, if you'd like to tell us about your favourite childhood toys, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. That is enough for this week. We'll be back next week with plenty more. Um, we'd love to get ratings on our podcasty platformy thing um itunes or google podcasts or whatever it is wherever you get your podcast we'd love some of those and maybe some five star ratings as well because of course you know we do this for the gratuity not the um the, the... anyway whatever this, Can't is, think of the this words. is a fantastic speech tom i must admit <laughs> not pre-planned sadly um because if they're pre-planned if i pre-planned it you always know i've pre-planned a speech because i trip over the words so uh, if it's a, if it's not pre-planned, I just forget what I was talking about halfway through. <laughs> so that's um, that's that's fairly normal. Anyway, we'll be back next week for more Reddingy podcast goodness. Bye. 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 You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. <laughs>